Welcome to the Epiphany Movement podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Today's talk comes from Pastor Drake Nelson and is a continuation of the series, Chain Breakers. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 today. If you want to get your scriptures and turn there, specifically we're going to be looking at verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 7. We've been in this series called Chain Breaker, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And the title of today's message is called The Metaphor, The Mentor, and The Therefore. The Metaphor, The Mentor, and The Therefore. And we're in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, and it starts off by saying this. It says, even though I have received such a wonderful revelation from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan, to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in your weakness. So therefore, now I am glad to boast about my weakness, so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness. And in the insults, and in the hardships, and in the persecutions, and in the troubles that I suffer for Christ, for when I am weak, then I and I'm strong. God, thank you for everything that you've given us. Thank you for letting us be here today, God. I pray that you would speak and that you would move. I pray that our eyes would be opened, our ears would be opened. God, I pray that we would receive this. I pray for every ear listening. You know every heart and you know every need. You know what every person needs to hear. And, and God, I don't. And so I pray that you would just use me as an instrument just to speak through me and to the lives of people. And now if you would, take a few moments to pray for me, that God would use me and that I would be helpful to you. And God, we pray all these things in your name. Amen and amen. So the thorn. People have wondered what this thorn was for years. Theologians have debated it. We really don't know what his thorn was that he's talking about. A lot of people believe that it was his bad eyesight, that he had been beaten up so many times that the poor fellow just couldn't see. Even when he would write, he would write very large, and that's why people think about that. Even to his book in Laodicea, he would often say, hey, look, we'll give you our eyes, Paul. And so a lot of people think it has to do with his eyes. Now, some people think it's a little bit different than that. Some people think that it was just everybody was out to get Paul. And because of it, that weighed on Paul. That weighed on Paul very heavily that he was always having people to come against him. Now, people like me, what do I tend to kind of maybe think it was? Well, I think it may have been that Paul did not speak so well. He was a bad speaker that oftentimes people would say, Well, Paul, you write well, but when you get in front of us to speak, you're not, uh, you're not the greatest. And, I, and, and people are coming against Paul because of that. So maybe that would, maybe he had a stuttering problem. I don't know. Still others find it right here in the text. They say, well, you know what? It's pretty easy. It says that he had a thorn in the, me- in the flesh, and it, it's right there. It says a messenger from Satan. 
So that's what it was. That was what his that was what his thorn this thorn was a messenger from Satan. And if you know the Greek word for messenger, then that is a word by the name of angelos. Angelos. And what does angelos kind of similarly sound like? It sounds like the word angel. Angel. And in fact, the word for angel and the word for messenger is the very same word. That's why when the book of Revelation is written, he says, give this, give this word to my messenger in Laodicea or my angel in the church of Laodicea. It's the same word that's used. And so a lot of people think this isn't supposed to be translated messenger. This is supposed to be an angel of Satan, a demon to torment him. But after my study this week, you'll be proud to know that I finally cracked the riddle, Miss Lisa. I finally cracked it. And I know what Paul's thorn was, so I'm going to say it this morning. From behind this very pulpit, I will let you all know what Paul's thorn was. So I hope you're going to be happy. It took me a while to figure it out, but I did. And I'm confident in it. And I know what it was. So I'm going to tell you. But before I tell you, let me go on by saying this. By saying this. Why does he call it a thorn? I mean, this is the Apostle Paul. And when he writes, he says, a thorn. Why doesn't he just call it what it is? Well, you know, when I was a youth minister, I used to be in youth ministry, and my, one of my mentors, my pastor friends, he would always come to me and he would say this. He would say, you'll, you'll find this funny, but he would say, brother, I want you to pray for me. And you may even know who this was. He said, brother, I want you to pray for me. I was like, okay. He said, I only spend about two hours a day in prayer, and I need to spend more. And the way that that would make me feel was like, eh. I would be like, I, I do good if I spend like 20 minutes, bro. Like, you know, I, I'll pray for you. Now, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with praying for two hours a day. And if that's something that God's convicting you on, then you need to pray for three, four hours a day if that's where God is convicting you. But the way that that would make you feel when he would say that, at least in my case, was, oh man, if that's your... I was thinking about opening up to you, man, and telling you some things that I really needed to struggle praying with. But if that's your thorn, then... I loved it when we'd all get up in youth ministry, we'd all gather around together, and somebody would start off by saying, hey, look, uh, what, do you need to, what do you need prayer for? And the very first person, this would always happen, the very first person to speak, he would always say something or she would always say something like, well, I haven't been praying a lot and reading my Bible very much. And um, I say, if you would pray for me, and the next person would go and they would say something similar. Well, and you're thinking... Your life is falling apart. I know where you are on Fridays. I know what's going on in your life. I know your parents have just divorced and split up. I know you need a lot more to pray for than that. But you kind of have to peel back the layers. And so what Paul is saying is he doesn't call it for what it is. He doesn't want you to feel like you can't be honest and open. So he calls it a thorn. But now, why doesn't he call it exactly what it is? What if he would have called it what it is and Paul would have written, I, Paul, I struggle with depression. Well then, if we knew Paul was struggling with depression, we would take our Bibles and we would rip it up. Because I know some hypocrite right in 2 Corinthians talking about he's struggling with depression isn't going to tell us to rejoice 
before the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And Paul is saying rejoice in the Lord always, but yet he's struggling with depression or he's struggling with mental illness. We would just take it all out. And so what happens is, is that Paul says, you know what? I want it to be ambiguous. I don't want anybody to know what it is. I'm going to call it a thorn. Why? So that you can relate to it and you can relate to it. And we, as a group, can relate to Paul. Because if he really would have told us what he was going on, maybe we would scratch our heads and not read Paul like we do. But hello, all are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. All have fallen short. And a lot of times we want to put somebody on a pedestal or we want to put somebody way, way, way way up and we say, oh, you would never do that. I would never struggle there. And when they do fall, we scratch our heads and think, how could you dare? But all have fallen short. Y'all, Paul, all. Y'all, Paul, all. We all fall short of the glory of God. And if you feel a little agreement this morning, just let me hear a little something. I was on the way over here and I told Kat, I said, you know what, I love, I love it when I'm sitting there and listening to somebody preaching and, and, and I'll be running or something to listen. And I'll just be like agreeing and it gets me involved in the sermon a little bit. Gets me thrown in. So get involved. And that's what Christ wants you to be. He wants you to be involved in your prayer life. He wants you to be involved even in the thorns of your life. So he calls it a thorn. You know, there was a guy by the name of John Scott. It's a very good Scottish name. And John Scott loved to study oxygen. And as John would go and study oxygen, he loved to study about how the people from the Brooklyn Bridge, when they would go all the way down at the bottom of the Brooklyn Bridge, when they would swim back up, they would die all the time. And they would be bleeding out. And do you know why? Is because their oxygen level, as they come up, it would spike, and they would start bleeding out of their ears, and they would, they would, they would pass away. So he, was, he, he wanted to get to the bottom of this, and so he did, but in his discovery, he actually started spending a lot of times with birds. And one particular bird, in particular, was called a canary. And what was really interesting about a canary is that a canary breathed oxygen in the inhale, and in the exhale, which I dare you to try when you get home. And so what would happen then is that since a canary would breathe oxygen in on the inhale and the exhale, it would actually breathe twice as much air as a normal person would. So they started putting the canary about 100 years ago in the coal mines. So when they would detect carbon monoxide, they would have a little canary sitting in there. So before the humans would feel the effects, the canary would have already been unpassed away. And so they would say, well, whenever this bird passes away, then we all, you know, however many of us, we need to, to get out of Dodge. We need to go. But what was crazy is that the canary had these claws, these huge claws, and so they would be sitting there gripping the metal, and whenever they would die, it would grip there, and it would just stay, just like this, and it would not move. It would be dead, but it would not be moving, and people would think it would be alive. So they had to declaw it and get a little, a little fluffy cage for it, and there it would see it as they would do the coal mining. Now, why tell this story? Because that's exactly what's going on in here. In the scripture, a canary has sounded the alarm. Danger is on the horizon. Paul, danger is on the horizon. Watch out, bro. And what does Paul choose to bring up as the canary sounds out? He says, you know what I'm going to bring up? I'm going to bring up 
my thorn. We are in this series called Chain Breaker, and we have talked about a whole lot of stuff, but what we are going to talk about today is the chain of our our weakest link. Our weakest link. And he chooses to bring up his weakest link in the face of the canary, in the face of the danger. He says, this is what I will boast about. I will boast about my weakness. But this has actually happened before. The last time that we see Paul had a canary encounter and he had come into danger, we have to go all the way back to around about the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, we see that there was this huge crowd coming up against Paul because he was speaking to the Gentiles. And as the crowd surrounds Paul, they begin to shout, kill him, kill him, kill him. So Paul is quick on his feet. Literally, he is quick on his feet. That wasn't... uh, That was kind of like a little uh, pun there. I didn't even mean for that to be uh, a pun. He's quick on his feet. So he runs and he jumps. Where does he jump? He jumps on the shoulders of the guard. And he's sitting on top of the guard on his back. And he looks at the guard and is like, hey, get me out of here. So the the guard goes. And he speaks to his commander. But which language was Paul usually talking in? Being a Jew. Hebrew. Hebrew. But he spoke and he addressed his counselor or commander by what? He spoke to him in Greek. And the commander was like, dude, you can speak Greek? That's really cool. And Paul's like, yeah, I'm pretty smart. He says, hold up, do you, give me a minute. Do you mind if I speak to this crowd that's chanting, kill me? And the commander says, okay, yeah, sure, it's your deathbed. So he looks out at the crowd. And what does he begin to speak? He says, silent as it is in here now. He begins to address the crowd. Not in Hebrew, but not in Greek, but in their own language of Aramaic. And the Bible says that it was a pin drop silence. And as he addresses the crowd, what does he say? Does he boast? Does he go back to his heritage? No. He says, I want to tell you about one thing and one thing only. I want to tell you about Gamaliel. I want to tell you about Gamaliel. And he says, I was actually trained under a dude named Gamaliel. Now, Gamaliel was one of the best mentors of that day. He was Paul's mentor. And Gamaliel, they said that when Gamaliel died, the essence of the law actually died. He was held at such a high esteem. So when Gamaliel died, they were all devastated. So Paul is sitting here saying, hey, look, I was trained under that guy. Long story short, we skip over a chapter and a chapter and a chapter and then a book and we get all the way back to 2 Corinthians. And Paul is saying, hey, look, I want to tell you, he has the same experience. I want to tell you, what do I want to say? And he says, I have a thorn. I have a thorn. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger from Satan to torment me. And that's what your thorn is doing. It is tormenting. 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 Torment. Tormented. Mentor. Mentor. Torment. Torment. Mentor. 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 Torment. Torment. Can I tell you what the thorn is? The thorn is your mentor. 
the thorn in your life and in my life is what is teaching us. But what is it teaching us? It's teaching us to rely on God. The thorn, the problem, the contradiction, the whatever is coming up against you. Why is it coming up against us? Why is the weakest link there? It's there to teach you about something. And what is this about to teach? What is this about to teach? He says, it's going to teach me from becoming, from becoming proud. And then he says this. He says, three different times, <laughs> I begged the Lord to take it away. You know, there is a check that is written in heaven for all Christians, but many times it goes uncashed at the window of prayer. Prayer is contradicting in nature because to pray, you have to pray. In order to pray well, you have to pray. You know, the Lord never taught us to do anything continually. He didn't teach us to pray continually or to, teach continu or to preach continually or to teach continually. But He did teach us, tell us to pray continually. When the disciples saw how lacking they were in prayer, they asked the Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. And He said, all right, I'll teach you to pray. You know in seminary there's not one course, not one course on prayer. They teach you about hermeneutics and hermeneutics and all the other stuff. But there's not one course in prayer. Why not? That is because there was only one teacher. There's only one teacher to teach us how to pray. And that is Christ. And it says this, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Now, my beautiful wife, she has launched three different campaigns against me to get a cat. And I don't want a cat. I don't want one. And I know I can see the three different stages plainly. First, she bought a blanket. And it had little cats all over the blanket. And we'd be watching a movie, and she would get that blanket, and she'd be like, oh, babe, look at this one, look at that one, look at this one. I'd say, nope, get that blanket away from here. I want the blue blanket. Don't put that cat blanket around me. So once she saw that that wasn't working, she enlisted you people. She enlisted. This crystal's just dying alive. And she's like, yeah, she enlisted me. I know. She enlisted you guys. And I have people come up. Oh, come on, Drake. You need to let her have a cat. I got plenty. I got thousands of cats. Just give her one, you know, right? And then she finally discovered that that wasn't going to work. So this weekend, what happened? It was her birthday. And then guess what her parents got her for her birthday? A coffee cup with cats on it. And they went to tell me, oh, babe, she just needs a cat to take home. She's just a little Siamese cat would be so sweet. Go look in my backyard, Mr. Luke. It looks like Calvary's Hill. There's three wooden crosses back there, all from cats we've had in the past that just didn't make it, okay? I don't want no cat in my house. Said, no, it's not going to work, all right? We don't need a cat, all right? No. 
So I said, why did you even ask? Why do you, why do you even ask? She said, well, it don't hurt to ask. And I'm not going to say you no know for you. And we got thorns in our life that we won't even go to God for. We have thorns that come into our life and we think a lot of times, we don't want to bother God with that. Why would we bring our thorn to Christ? Why would we tell Him? He has so much stuff going on. But I'm saying, don't. it does not hurt to ask. Bring whatever thorn, whatever care to God, to Christ. He says, cast your cares on me. And so maybe something looks small, but it doesn't matter. Bring it to God. But when you bring it to God, see, I used to call myself praying, and I would moan, and I would complain about what's ailing me, and what's, what's tearing me down, and what I got in my all my enemies. And then I learned one day, before I start praying, maybe I should just thank Him for my friends that I do have, you know? Before I count my bruises, why don't I just count my all, all my blessings? So I changed the way that I started to, to, to pray. I'm simply just trying to say that before we go to God with our problems, let's first offer Him our praises. And then we come to Him with our thorns. And he says three times, I came to Him and I begged the Lord to take it away. But each time, what did He say? What did He say? He said this, he said, My grace is all that you need. My power works best in weakness. So therefore, so therefore, so therefore, we've talked about the metaphor, we've talked about the mentor, now we will conclude with the therefore. So the question remains, What's your thorn there for? What's your thorn there for? Because it's doing something. It's working something in your life. Your thorn is there for a reason. I'll show you this in the Scripture. He says, So therefore, now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness. And in the insults, and in the hardships, and in the persecutions, and in the troubles that I suffer for Christ. Then, what does he say? He ends it by saying, For when I am weak, then I am strong. So the weakest link in the chain, I'm here to say today, it may be the weakest link, but it's actually the very link that makes your chain strong. Whatever's ailing you, whatever's tormenting you, whatever the thorn is, it's not there making you weaker. It's there making you stronger. I know you don't see it. I know you don't know it, but I'm telling you, Keep going, keep pushing through, and you will one day see your therefore. You will see why it was there. So how do I know? How do I know that? That's the question that we have to ask. I know that because Jesus finishes His prayer, and as He finishes His prayer, He says, For thine is the kingdom, and the glory, and the power, Forever and ever. Amen. But what good is a king, dumb, 
without its king. What good is a kingdom without its king? You mind if I tell you about my king? You ask how I know, and I know this because because the Bible says, by the way, I'm going to give a shout out to S.M. Lockbridge for this. Thank you very much. The Bible says that my king is a king of the Jews. He is the king of Israel. He is the king of righteousness. He is the king of the ages. He is the king of glory. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That's my king. So I wonder, do you know him today? The Bible says that our king is... Enduringly strong and entirely, do you get this? Entirely sincere and eternally steadfast. He is immortally graceful and imperially powerful. That is my king. So I wonder if you know him today. My king is the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He is God's Son. He is a sinner's Savior. He is the centerpiece of civilization. He is unparalleled and unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He is the fundamental doctrine of of true theology. He is the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient Savior. That's my King. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the strong. He sympathizes and He saves. He guards and He guides. He delivers the sick. He defends the feeble. He delivers the captives. He discharges the debtors. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent. And He beautifies the meek. That's our King. What we're asking is, do you know Him today? He's a thorn grabber. He's a chain breaking kind of God. I wonder do you know him? Do you know him? Don't just be tricking me. Do you know him? He is the key to knowledge, the wellspring of wisdom. He is the roadway to righteousness, the gateway to glory, the highway of heaven, the doorway of deliverance, the pathway of peace. And yet it continues to go on. His light is matchless. His love is everlasting. His word is enough. His reign is righteous. His grace is sufficient. And hear this, okay? His yoke is easy and His burden is light. So what we're wondering is, do you know Him today? I mean, I wish I could describe Him to you, 
But he's indescribable. He's irresistible. He's invincible. You can't get him out of your mind or off your hands. And you can't, you can't outlive him, but you can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand him. Found out they couldn't stop him. Pilate couldn't find any faults in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him. And the grave couldn't hold him. Because he is a king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. And that same king is here today. And he's here this morning. And I know we have thorns. And I know we have the weakest link. But what I'm trying to say this morning is that it's the very weakest link in our life that's going to make us strong, that's going to forge us in the fire. This is what I'm trying to say, that our king is always going to have a therefore. And this is his therefore. His therefore is to say, when you are weak, then I can be strong through you. So we have weak links, and we're not going to change anything by ourselves, but Christ says that I will be strong through you. And that is what he is promising you and I today. And that is his his promise from eternity past to eternity future. And today, in this morning, He is asking us all to bring our thorns to the feet of the altar. And so what we are going to ask for the second time today is that we all have thorns, but if you feel comfortable or if you even want to bring your thorn to the altar, to bring it down front to pray. I'm not going to pray with you. Just bring it down here. I have somebody that I'm excited to pray with. And have a God that I'm excited to pray to. And I know God is going to be excited to hear from you. And we all have things in our life that are the weakest link. And so today we're going to ask, would you bring them down? So as Miss Melanie prays and Miss Diane leads, we missed y'all so much, by the way. So much. We're going to have an opportunity to, to sacrifice and to pray and to pray for our therefore. God, let's, I pray that we would just have the eyes and the ears to see and to hear what you want to do. God, we thank you for everything that you've done in our life. We thank you for everything that you're going to continue to do throughout this week and next week, God. Thank you for who you are and what you've done for us, God. I pray that we all have thorns in the flesh. And we wonder sometimes how we're going to deal with them. But I pray that not every time you take them away, sometimes they stay. And when they do, I pray for a therefore. I pray for a mentor. And I pray for the metaphor. In your name I pray. Amen and amen.